We are in a brand new series today called Relation Slips. I got to make sure I go real slow when I say that. I have to watch, watch how I say it. Relation Slips. And we're, some of y'all got that. Some of y'all that are still in the world a little, you still got that. So Relation Slips, we're talking about how do we uh, get a grip on the areas of our relationships that we can so easily slip in. And there are a lot of areas. And so this is not a marriage uh, series. This isn't, um, this is a all relationship series. It will apply to marriage. It will apply to friendships. It will apply to that crazy boss you got. It'll apply to every relationship that you have in your, in your life. And so this is going to really hit all uh, all people. And so we're talking today about trust. And how many know when you deal with people, how many know you're dealing with imperfections? Yeah. Look at the person next to you. Tell them you're not perfect. Tell them, listen, I know your mama said you were. I know your grandma said you perfect. But I'm just here to tell you, you came to OSC today to find out you ain't perfect. And uh, the last time I checked my resume, I wasn't either. And so we deal with, when we deal with imperfect people, how many of you know when you deal with imperfect people, you got issues? Yes. Okay, you don't got issues, they got issues. Somebody's got issues. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that through this series. And so we're talking about trust today and uh, how, do we, how do we trust people. And I love that God's word is so full of insight and wisdom on how we should uh, maintain, how we should manage, and how we can have thriving relationships. So I want you to write this down. First and foremost, we're, we got to kind of lay down a groundwork on trust. And, and here's the big deal. If you're taking some notes, I want you to just write this down. Trust is the foundation of relationships. Trust is the foundation of relationships. Everything is built off of trust. Your relationship is no stronger than the trust that you have in it. I'm going to say that again. Your relationship is no stronger than the trust that you have in it. Weak trust, weak relationship. Strong trust, strong relationships. And this is in any regards. And how many know there have been people in our life that have dropped us? People that we trusted that have dropped us. A, a number of years ago, for those that don't know, I have three boys. And so pray for my wife. And it's a little crazy in our house. And one of the things that me and my boys love doing is wrestling. Uh, that's just what dads do with boys. And so we wrestle. And so back in the day, before I had our third son, Joel, Judah and Josiah, uh, we were wrestling on the bed. Judah was a baby. So, I mean, he was, he was a, literally an infant uh, on the bed. I was wrestling with Josiah. We were all, we'd always wrestle on our bed. And so I'm wrestling with him. And Lindsay was telling me, like, be careful, be careful. Judah's on there. And he was a baby at this time. So we're wrestling, 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 and then all of a sudden I heard thud. And I was like, mm. and from the kitchen, I hear, I hear, don't tell me Judah fell off that bed. And I said, okay. And then crying proceeded to come out of his mouth after that. And uh, needless to say, the, the wrestling on the bed had now been banned. We got a rule. Mama put a rule in, no more bed. And so uh, I, I dropped my kid. How many, how many in here? Let's be honest, parents, you're in church. How many of you have dropped your kids? You've dropped your Yeah, it feels good, doesn't it? It explains a lot of things. Let's just be honest. How many of you were dropped? As a, yeah, no, we already know. You don't even have to tell us. We know. <laughs> we knew somebody dropped you. And so... This was that hard. Oh, was that bad? Sorry, Jesus loves you, um, but your mama dropped you. And so, second, so I want to show you because all throughout scripture, there was men and women actually in scripture that got dropped as well. 
And there's an actual story in Scripture. So every parent in here who's dropped your kid, you're about to feel really good. Uh, there's a story in Scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 4. So if you got your notes, you can kind of follow along with us. Uh, and, and let me set up the story real quick. So there's three characters that are going on right now. So let me kind of show you the movie. The, the characters that are playing right now, you got Saul, King Saul. He's the king of, first king of Israel. Um, then he's got a son. His son's name is Jonathan. Jonathan has a son, and his son is named Mephibosheth. Yeah, never name your kid that. And so, uh, so you got you got son, you got dad, you got grandfather. And so, <clears throat> it says Saul's son Jonathan had uh, had a son named Mephibosheth, and he was five years old. So Mephibosheth at this time, I'm just calling him Phoebe. I don't even want to say that anymore. <laughs> Phoebe's five years old, and um, and so he's just a kid. He's just a kid running around in the palace. Living the life. I mean, come on. He's got to be living the dream. He's got to have maidservants serving him. He's, got, he's, he's a five-year-old in a kingdom palace. He's the grandson to the king. I mean, he's got to have it made. He's five years old. And then the most tragic thing happens. He has the worst day ever. It says there's a report that comes in from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had both been killed in battle. So he gets word. They come in. Someone, a messenger comes in and says, your dad and your grandfather have both died in battle. And so he's five. He doesn't know. I mean, you don't, you don't process death during that time. But I want you to see what happened uh, in the next verse. It says, so when the child's nurse heard the news, she's in panic. She picks him up and she, and she <laughs> I keep messing this word up. It's, it's fled, but I keep saying fleed. She fled, and, but as soon as she hurried away, now watch this. She what? She dropped him. She dropped him. Now, here's, here's what makes it even worse, though. And then he became crippled. So this wasn't just any kind of dropping. This was a drop where he actually got extremely hurt. He got actually paralyzed. It made me think through oftentimes in our own lives. I mean, you know, we've had people that have dropped us, too. We've had people, think about it. He's five years old, the worst day of his life. Grandfather dies, dad dies, he loses his home, and now he loses his legs. How I many know bad day? Hashtag bad day. Really bad day. And... And now it wasn't his fault. I mean, he's just a five-year-old kid doing what a five-year-old kid does. And because of someone that he put his trust in, they, in their hurry, dropped him. And here he is now paralyzed in life because of something that he never asked for and he never did. And I think that often will transpire to us in so many ways, that so many of us in this room have been dropped by the people that we trusted the most. That we had a parent that we trusted and they dropped us. We had a dad that left and he dropped us. We had a spouse that we loved and made commitments till death do us part and they dropped us. We had a friend that was there with us growing up and then now they backstab us and they have dropped us. We've had maybe a pastor that has dropped us, a boss that has dropped us. We've had people in our lives that we trusted and they have dropped us and we're paralyzed. We can't move. We can't do anything because people have dropped us and now we have broken trust. And there's people in here as well that maybe you were dropped and you weren't paralyzed, but you were wounded. And so you got dropped and you got back up and now you're not walking like you normally used to walk. You're walking with a limp and now you got trusting limp. You got limping trust. Now, every time you go to trust somebody, you look at your limp and you go, I ain't doing that again because I ain't getting another limp. Are y'all with me? And so this is... This is why we live in a culture. Think about this. We live in a culture of mistrust. It is the air that we breathe. People don't trust the president. People don't trust the government. 
People don't trust schools. People don't trust doctors. People don't trust the church. They don't trust pastors. Don't trust priests. I don't trust, and anybody that comes into my life, I'm always filtering them now because it's the air that I breathe. I'm always filtering through this mistrust. I'm, I, this is what we often will think. Are you gonna hurt me too? Are you gonna hurt me too? And everything that happens in life oftentimes, and because this is the air that we breathe, it might not have been something that happened to you, but you saw it. And because you saw mistrust, now you have mistrust. And yet all throughout scripture, God has called us to gain trust, to have trust, that if trust is the foundation of relationships, how many know the enemy is going to go after the foundation? He's going to try to undermine the foundation so you don't trust anybody. The problem is when you don't trust anybody, then nobody can help you too. And so how do we go through this process in life where we have, we have trust issues, somebody dropped us, how do you regain this? Well, when trust is broken, here's what I want you to hear me. When trust is broken, there's a gap that is created. What I mean by that is there's an expectation and then there's what you experience. So you expected your dad to pick you up at five o'clock because he said he was going to, but he didn't. He didn't show up. And now there is a gap between what he said he would do and what you experienced. You expected your spouse to be faithful until the end, but he cheated on you and he left your family. And so now there is a gap between what you expected and then what you experienced. You, you expected your boss to give you the raise that he said that he promised he would give you. He said, don't definitely come on. Don't go look for another job. You're going to have a raise in three months. And then three months pass by and four months pass by and five months pass by and you go to talk to them and he tries to weasel his way out and what you expected and what you experienced are two different things and now you have a gap. Yeah. Is everybody with me? Yeah. And this happens in relationships all the time. That there's gaps. You tell your kid, be home by 10. 10, 10, 10 comes by, 10, 15, 10, 30, and you're going, there's about to be a real gap. I'm about to put a gap up in his head. Okay, so there's, there's what's expected and then there's what's experienced. And if you have your notes, I want you to write this down because there's always a gap and we got gaps in our relationships. You currently have some relationships that have gaps. And when there is a gap, you choose what goes in the gap. When there is a gap, you choose what goes in the gap. You get a choice in what's going to go in that gap. The truth is that those people who broke the trust don't control what goes in the gap. You do. And you have far more power in deciding how this process goes than they do. Now, there is a twofold, and there's a, there is both sides have to work to rebuild trust, and we'll get into that in just a minute, but I just want to first and foremost go ahead and declare, and I want you to hear me, that when someone breaks your trust, when someone doesn't fulfill what they said they're going to do, when someone betrays you, and there is a gap, you get a choice of what goes in that gap. You go, well, no, I don't. They, they choose what goes in the gap. They have a part but you have one of the biggest parts. Because how you fill the gap will determine if that relationship will get healed or if that relationship will get cut off. And you get the choice on what that looks like. And so I, I wanna share with you today four things that I think we need to choose to fill the gap with. And so number one is choose feeling over faking. Choose feeling over faking. Now, what I mean by that is when someone's hurt you, and we've all been there, when someone hurts you, someone does something that they said they're going to do, they don't come through with it, how many know you mad? Yeah. Oh, y'all a little religious up in here, nobody get mad? Nope, nobody, nobody in here says, man, it feels really good to tell somebody off. <laughs> oh, y'all are all saints up in here. Sorry, y'all pray for me. Okay, so 
Come on, I mean, it feels good to tell somebody what you think when they hurt you. Oh, you hurt me? Oh, you don't even know. It's coming, right? You have opened a can and you don't even realize what's about to come your way. You're mad, right? You're frustrated. You're hurt. You're, 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 um, you're shocked. You're depressed. Whatever. There's, there's, there's an overwhelming group of emotions that come. And they come in different waves. They come in different styles. You're angry one minute, then you're sad and crying yourself to sleep the next. Then you wake up the next day and you're full of despair and depression. Then the next day you just want to punch somebody. Then the next day it's, and you have all of these emotions. And, and here's what goes on. When you get hurt like that, you can either curse it, you can nurse it, you can reverse it. Wiki, wiki, wiki. Okay, like a, <laughs> come on somebody. PJ, DJ on the, on the stage. Okay, so <laughs> slinging it. And so you can nurse it. You can nurse that hurt. Pity me. Sorry, look what he did to me. You can nurse it, okay? You can curse it. We don't have to go there. You know how that goes. We'll talk about that next week when we talk about words. <clears throat> you can reverse it, which is what God's called us to turn that hurt around and be able to do something with it that's healing and productive. But we have, these, we have these emotions. Have you ever been driving and you've seen this, this image? Watch, let me, let me show you what this image is. Let me see. You ever seen this before? Yeah. On, your, on your vehicle? Y'all know what this means? Check engine. Yeah, it means check. Some of y'all like, I don't even know what that means. Okay, if you have this, get it checked, okay? So like, oh, I thought that just meant you know, driving good, driving good. Okay, no, it does not mean that. And so I thought that was a steering wheel. And so this is the check engine light. Now you have a couple options when the check engine light comes on. Check engine light is there because it's telling you that something on the inside is not going good. You need to check the engine. Well, this is what Proverbs chapter 29 says, or 25 says. Watch. Think about check engine. Like an open city with no defense is the man with no check on his feelings. No check on his feelings. The check engine light comes up. You got an opportunity right there to check. Check what's going on. Emotions are incredible gauges, but they're terrible guides. And every time you've got an emotion of hate, emotion of anger, emotion of, of bitterness, emotion of sorrow, emotion of depression, when you have that emotion, you, it, it's a, emotions are incredible indicators, but terrible dictators. Yeah. And if you make decisions based off of how you emotionally feel, how many know most of the times those decisions we make, we regret. And so God God put emotions in you for a reason. Emotions are from the Lord. Even the fact that you're angry is from God. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel the way you are. You just got to make sure that how you respond to that is, is which way it leans. Because how you handle your emotions will either make you or break you. And when you get hurt, how many know emotions are high? Oh man, they're really high. And sometimes we make decisions when our emotions are at the highest. And then when we finally come down from those, we go, what did I do? And so you got the check engine light. Beep, 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 beep. It's flashing. It's coming on. And you got a couple of things. You can bring it in to the mechanic that knows what to do. And they can go and check it and actually find out what the source is and why it is. Or you can do like most of us do and just put a picture over it. 
put a Bible verse, you know, just like, Jesus, you take the wheel. Okay, so I'm like, we, we put something in front of it to try to, like, I don't want to think about it, but how many of you know, if you ride with that for long enough, eventually your car will break down. And listen, if you have unchecked emotions that are not getting checked and you don't allow God to check those and you don't process those, you will break down too. And so will your relationships. And so I was telling, telling Lindsay about this yesterday and I'll often kind of bounce my message off of my wife, Lindsay. And I was telling her kind of like how I was processing through this because Lindsay and I have both walked through pain. We've had family members drop us. We've had pastors drop us. Not in this church. Pastor Bubba has been amazing. Um, but I've had pastors outside of this that have dropped me. I've had friends that I thought were best friends that have stabbed me in the back. I mean, I've, I've gone through the gamut of different relationships. And so, I, and so I, I know she has too. And so we were processing through this of like, hey, can you talk about feelings and all this? And she said this. And so I told her, she's like, you're going to use that in the message, aren't you? I said, probably so. She's like, you better give me credit. <laughs> so my wife's getting some credit here. She says, the reason why most people don't want to process their feelings is because heart work is hard work. Come on, I said, girl, you preaching. Okay, so she said, I, she said I'm going to tell you, because she's been going through a process herself of God just doing some healing in her own heart. And she said, it's been the hardest thing I've ever had to do. But most people don't want to do the hard work to deal with the heart work. And so what they do is you just cut off the people who have hurt you. And it just, you, you think it makes you easier. The problem is you've just got a bunch of burned bridges behind you. And when you need those people, you can't ever use those people. You can't come back to those people because you need them because you cut off instead of doing the hard work so you can do the heart work so you can reconcile. Y'all with me? Yeah. So we need to choose feeling over faking. We don't want to be fake. God, we can be honest with God on how we feel. God's big enough to handle these things. You're mad? Tell them. You're angry? Tell them. We don't want to be fake. We want to feel. Feeling's a good thing. Number two, here's the big one. Okay, get ready. We're going to spend some time here. We've got to choose forgiveness over bitterness. Whew. This one's hard. This one's way easier to preach than it is to do. We've got to choose forgiveness over bitterness. Our relationships with people is inseparable to our relationship with God. I want you to listen to me very closely. You can't be good with God and not good with people. You can't be not good with people and not good with, you'll, you, if you're not good with people, you'll be not good with God. If you're good with people, you'll be good with God. Jesus comes down and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. How many know? Yes. Amen. God, I love you. I love you. And then he's like, all right, love people as you love yourself. And you're like, mm, not so much. <laughs> right? Like, Jesus, I love you. I'll come in church, love you all day long. But then I got to go to work, and I got to deal with some peoples. And I got to go home. And, and, and so oftentimes we want to be so spiritual that we don't learn that that actually impacts the way we are relational. But God wants to fill you today in this church. He wants to encourage you. He wants to change you so he can change the way you deal with your relationships. I mean, no, good with God. We want to be good with people. And the reason why we're often not good with people is because we slip up. We do things. We break trust. We have some. And when people break trust and the gap is created, I want you to see what happens. Then we can get bitter. Watch what this verse says. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now notice, there's a couple things we can do. Watch out. Hey, anytime you see watch out in the scriptures... 
Just underline it, highlight it, because God's trying to warn you that there's something that you need to watch out for. Watch out, watch out, because there's going to be a poisonous root that can grow up on the inside of you. It's called bitterness, and this is going to do, it's, and when it grows up and it grows into full uh, maturation, it's going to trouble you, but it's also going to trouble others. Bitterness, I just wrote this down, bitterness is when your spirit gets stuck in a state of pain. Bitterness is when your spirit gets stuck in a state of pain. And here's what happens, and, and here's how you know people are bitter. Let me give you some, some things you can look for. This is how you know people are bitter. They're defensive. They're distant, and they're demanding. Bitter people are defensive, constantly defensive, always in a fight, always picking a fight, always got conflict in their life, always they're defensive. They're distant from people. They didn't, they, no one can have good relationships with them. If you look, they got, they got a trail of bad relationships behind them. Nobody wants to be around them, and they're demanding all the time. This is someone who is bitter. And I'm going to tell you right now, Satan loves a bitter believer. He absolutely loves a bitter believer. And the only way you can uproot bitterness is with the shovel of forgiveness. It's the only way. Now, as soon as I said that, though, I know. Oh, Pastor Josh, you don't know, though. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what my husband said about me. You don't know what my boss, you don't know. No, I don't. And when I talk about forgiveness, oftentimes people will put this, put forgiveness and trust into the same category. Oh, well, you're telling me to forgive them, so you're also telling me that now I have to trust them and invite them back into my life. No, because, write this down, forgiveness is not trust. Forgiveness is not trust. Listen to me, forgiveness is not trust. I had a family member that dropped me, just dropped me. And man, it took me a long time to recover from that drop. And I finally came to a place where I, I knew that God had called me to forgive them, and I forgive them. And, and it took 15 years before I'd let them back in my house. See, because we bought into the lie that if you forgive somebody, then you need to invite them right back into your life. The problem is, why would I invite somebody right back into my life to hurt me again? So forgiveness is not necessarily trust. Can trust be rebuilt? Yeah, we'll talk about that. But just because I forgive you doesn't mean I have to trust you. See, see, the Bible commands me to forgive, but it does not command me to trust you. See, because forgiveness is instant, but trust is not. Forgiveness is based off of grace. Trust is based off of works. Forgiveness, I don't have to earn. But how many of you know trust you do have to earn? How many of you know you, it takes a long time to build trust, and it takes like that to lose it? And so when we talk about forgiveness and we talk about trust, I, I want you to see these, these are two separate things. Yes, I forgive you, but right now I don't trust you. And it may take a little while for me to trust you. And, and then people who have hurt other people look at you and go, well, then you don't forgive me. No, I forgive you. I'm just, I ain't letting you around my kids. Well, then, then you don't really forgive me. Yes, I do, but I just don't trust you. And we've all been in that situation in our lives, whether it was a spouse or a father or a mother or a coworker or a friend where it's like, hey, I, I love you, but uh, we're going to have to have some space and you're going you gonna to have to like, mm -mm, I ain't letting you around here to keep hurting me. That, ain't, that just ain't, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. And, 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 and most people have bought into the, to the lie that they think that because I forgive you means I got to welcome you back. I don't. I don't. Forgiveness means I get to choose if I want you back in or not. I mean, trust does, not forgiveness. Forgiveness is, 
you're off the hook. I trust, I forgive you, but I don't trust you yet. Is everybody following with me? Y'all tracking with me so far? Because people think like forgiveness means like an abuser can come back in and keep abusing. By no means. Kick that brother to the curb. Mm -mm. That's not what God says. I do forgive you, but I don't trust you. And so if you have been in this area where maybe you were the one that did the breaking, and we've all broken trust. So let's not be quick to want to judge people who've broken trust because we've all done it too. And when you've done this, let me show you the process on how God can help you rebuild the trust. Let me give you a formula that's going to help you. Repentance plus transparency plus consistency plus time equals trust. So let's break this down. Repentance. Repentance is I see what I did and I own it. I don't blame it. I don't try to say like, oh, because you did this, I did that. And no, repentance is I see what I did. What I did was wrong. I should not have done that. And I apologize and I'm sorry. I'm asking God for forgiveness. I'm asking you for forgiveness. And repent actually means the word to turn. That's actually what the word repent means, to turn. And, and so uh, this week I actually asked on our Facebook group, asked a lot of you, what, did, what, what does someone need to do to rebuild their trust with you? And man, so many people responded. Um, it sounds like a lot of you have some thoughts on this. And a lot of you said, I need them to change. I need to see some change. Which, by the way, that's what repentance is. Repentance is I'm not going to keep hurting and keep doing the same thing. I see what, I, what I'm doing. I'm going to turn from that, and I'm going to change what I do. So you got to see some change. you got to see, see that. Number two is you got to see some transparency. Now, notice I did not put honesty and I noticed that on a lot of uh, people's comments, they were putting honesty, like they just need to be honest. But I, I, I'm going to push back a little bit on that because there's a difference between honesty and transparency. Now, listen to me very closely. Honesty is when people tell you the truth when you ask them. Transparency is when people tell you the truth before you ask them. So this is how it works. Uh, listen, this is how it works. You got, you, got a, you got a situation where there's broken trust and, and, and you're always having to ask them questions and they're like, why do you keep asking me questions? Why do you keep, well, you know, you don't trust me? One, they probably don't yet. And then two, the reason that they keep asking questions is because you ain't being transparent. And, then, and so you go, well, I've been telling you the truth. I've been telling you everything that you want to know. Yeah, to the questions I've been asking, but what about all the other stuff that I don't know that I haven't asked the questions that you're still hiding? Honesty is, I'm telling you the truth to what I want you to know. So when you ask me that question, yeah, I told you the truth. But the problem is you didn't see all these other 30 skeletons I got in my closet because you didn't ask about those. So I wasn't going to display those. Whereas transparency says, here, I'm going to open the door. Back up. <laughs> you want transparency? Hey, here's the password to my phone. Here's my computer. I'm not going to do this anymore. Here, you can ask me any question that you want. But I'm going to tell you, hey, look, this, this crazy girl Facebook messaged me. I just want to let you know she Facebook messaged me. She crazy. I just want to let you know. I wanted to let you know before you asked me if anybody, she, she crazy. And so I denied her. I blocked her. I just want to let you know. But I wanted to let you know before you asked me if someone went crazy. Was, yes, this is a crazy woman. She's, this, I blocked her. Got her out of there. Got her out of there. Got it. Are y'all with me? Come on, somebody. And where most relationships fail is we go, well, I'm honest. Yeah, you're honest. You're just not transparent. And God is asking us, if you want to rebuild trust, I'm going to tell you, the quickest way to rebuild trust with people that you've broken it with is be transparent. Be open about everything that you struggle with. 
hey, just want to let you know, I'm, man, I really struggle with this this week, but I wanted to let you know. Now I don't have to go search it out and try to find it out because you're bringing it to me, and now that, that, that gives me trust. I'm preaching way better than you're shouting. Okay, so <laughs> preach it. Consistency. Consistency. I'm, I'm excited and glad you did it for a week. Good job. Can you do it for a year? Can you do it for two? Uh, good job. I'm, I'm, hey, I celebrate the fact that you did it for a week or a month. Good job. But I don't, last time I checked, we in this marriage for a lifetime. So I want to know, can you, can you do this for a lifetime? Because I'm really, I'm, man, I'm excited for you. And, and oftentimes we want people to hurry up and trust us. Look, I've been good for it. Look, I showed up at church for a month. Well, good job. Can you show up for a year? Can you show up when you want to go do something else, but now you're putting it as a priority, and so you're going to show up, and you're going to show your wife that you're going to sacrifice your time because you're going to go and do it because you want to rebuild trust? Oh, come on, somebody. And so, hey, listen, this ain't a message that grows a church. This is a message that grows people. And I love you too much to let you off the hook. Repentance, transparency, consistency, and then, man, you just got to do this over time. You got to do it. And listen, and God is doing it. I'm seeing God do it in our church right now. People are being consistent over time. It's great. And guess what? It does equal trust. Trust gets rebuilt. Trust has happened. But it, it takes repentance. It takes consistency. It takes transparency. And it takes time. I love what Henry Cloud said. He said this, trust is like a brick wall. Watch this. It must be constructed brick by brick. And if it is breached and comes crashing down, it has to be rebuilt. I mean, that takes time. Brick by brick by brick. So Mark 11, verse 25, this is what Jesus says. <clears throat> he says, when you're praying, what's the next word? Everybody say that with me. You'll know we talk a lot about the principle of first here. Everything you do first blesses the rest. We tithe first, blesses the rest. We give God our first day of the week, blesses the rest. We give to God our first day, time in the morning, blesses the rest of the day. He says, when you're praying, this is what you actually should first do. It's first. Yeah, y'all didn't say that word. <laughs> Forgive. Now watch this. Gets even better. Forgive. Oh, man, now you got to tear up your list. Because you know you got a list. It might be a mental list, but you got a list of people that you ain't forgiven. And now Jesus had to go blow all that up and say, anyone that you hold a grudge against, and here's why, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. I don't know, but last time I checked, I think everybody in here would really like God to forgive your sins. And this is what God's saying. I want you to listen to me closely. God is saying, if you can't forgive your brother that you do see, God can't forgive your sins that you don't see. How can God give something to you that you're not willing to give to somebody else? And so he's saying, listen, the first thing you got to do is you got to forgive. And how many know sometimes you got to wake up in the morning and you got to pre-forgive people before they actually do something to you? Like you wake up in the morning like, God, I just forgive all these crazy people that I know that I work with. God, I just pre-forgive them right now because they're going to drive me crazy. I know that. God, I pre-forgive my kids because I know they're going to push mama to the limits. I just pre-forgive them. My husband's going to say something stupid and I'm just going to pre-forgive him now. 
And I'm going to choose forgiveness over bitterness. Because if I let this bitter root grow, and it grows, bitterness is like cancer. It doesn't stay where it starts. It starts in your marriage, but then it leaks into your other friendships, and then it leaks into your work, and then it leaks into everything. So i got to uproot that bitterness with forgiveness. Do you know what credit card companies hate the most? They actually hate the most. Yeah, she said not paying them. Actually, no. They hate it when you pay it off every month. You know why? Because they don't make no money. Because you just wiped out all of the interest. Because every month that you don't pay it, they get to put interest on that, which is the way they make a lot of their great money from you. I just pay the bare minimum. Well, that's awesome for them because they get to charge interest. And every month that you don't pay it off, it now is not just interest. It's called compounding interest. Listen to me very closely. Every day that you don't wake up and you don't give forgiveness to those around you, at the end of the day, you get charged interest. And if you don't do that over the course of weeks, months, in years, you will now be charged compounding interest. Let me put it a different way. Compounding issues. And so if you look in your life right now and you see a lot of compounding issues, it might be because of this. That there's a root of bitterness that has now grown into a forest in my heart. And now it affects everything around me. And so I've got to learn to give forgiveness. And I want you to hear me very closely. You're never more like Jesus when you're forgiving people who've hurt you the most. Can we not forget that no one has hurt you more than someone has hurt Jesus? See, y'all think that no, no, one's, no one's been hurt as much as you have. I beg to differ. Because the last time I saw all of us, none of us have perfect on our record, and Jesus did, and yet he hung on a cross for sins that he did not commit. Talk about somebody drop you. They didn't just drop them. They nailed them, speared them, beat them, whipped them for doing nothing but loving people and serving people. And on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You're no more like Jesus than when you are forgiving people who have hurt you the most. That is when you know your faith is genuine. It's easy to forgive people that barely hurt you. It's a whole nother ball game to forgive people who have really hurt you. And so we gotta choose forgiveness over bitterness. Number three, we gotta choose trust over suspicion. Oh, Josh, why'd you have to go there? Like, you're asking me to trust this person? Yes, we're going to work there. And I'll, I want you to pre-trust them before. Now, where do I get this? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. <laughs> Watch what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says. This is the love chapter. All of us love this chapter. It's the love chapter. You got to love love. Well, you might not love this part of love. Because love is always protects. It always Oh, y'all see that word too? Oh, why'd you have to put that in there? 
It always hopes, it always perseveres. It always. Now watch, watch what the Amplified Version says of this, watch. Because love bears all things regardless of what comes. It believes all things. Looking for the? Oh, man, you might want to underline that one. This is what happens when you always trust, is you're always looking for the best. You're looking for the best in each one. Hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times. Endures all things without weakening. This is what it means to have trust over suspicion. Trust over suspicion means love is looking for an opportunity to believe the best rather than assume the worst. And we live in a culture right now that when you get close to me, I immediately assume the worst before I ever believe the best. Actually, you've got to prove to me that you're the best before I will believe the best because I will not assume that of you. I'm going to assume you're the worst first. Right? Anybody gets close to you and you're like, what do you want? What do you want? What you about to do? You, you want something. I know you want something from me. You're about to hurt me. And it's all because we got some roots of bitterness from other people that have dropped us. And so here we are in this moment, in the gap. We get to choose what goes in the gap. And we say, listen, as believers of Christ, we're going to choose trust over suspicion. Because suspicion expresses rejection. Suspicion expresses rejection. When you're like, what were you at? What are you doing? Who are you talking to? What's going on? Why were you late? Where have you been? You talking to her again? What you doing? When you live in suspicion, listen to me very closely. When you live in suspicion, you don't open somebody up. You close them down. Because when you're getting asked all those questions, this is what it does. You don't trust me, which maybe that's the case. You don't. And maybe they've done a lot of things that warrant that. I understand that. We'll get to that in just a minute. But I just need you to hear me. If you want to rebuild trust in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships, and you want to rebuild it, you better choose trust over suspicion. You better, you better go, I'm believing the best in you. Here, let me give you another way that you can maybe ask that question that doesn't shut people down, but it actually opens them up. And that is, listen, I want to trust you. I want to trust you. So here's the question. How can we work together to build trust? And let them share and you share. So instead of going, when you, we see them close the, close the phone as soon as you walk into the room, you walk over to them and you say, I want to trust you. But when you do that, it, it, it doesn't make me want to trust you. I want to trust you. Let's work towards this. Instead of, give me the phone. <laughs> and then you find out it's their buddy. And then you're like, and now guess what you just did? Took a couple more bricks off the wall and closed them down. You want to open that up? You want to open their heart up? You say, I want, to, I want to trust you. Listen, everybody in this room wants to be trustworthy. Now, I know you're thinking of the scumbag in your mind right now that does not want to be, but I promise you, they do. People want to be, but we often will not give them the benefit of the doubt. Number four, last one, and then I'll give you your toes back. Choosing... We're going to choose healing over hurting. We're going to choose healing over hurting. Now, I want you to write this down. You can live with scars, but you can't live with wounds. Now, watch this verse. You ready? We're going to be done. 
Jeremiah 6.14. You can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. <laughs> you can live with scars all day long. If you look at my youngest son, Joel, brother's got more scars than I've ever seen from heart surgery and central lines and his legs. and He's got scars. And that's fine because those have stories. Those have healing. But you can't live with wounds. You see a wound, you want people to hurry up and cover that thing up. And, and, and the only way that God can bring healing in a wound is when you finally get to the place where you act like it's not there. Let me put it a way that you can remember. God can't heal what you won't reveal. All right, now I want everybody to look at me. Some of you just need to be honest and say this. I have a hard time trusting people. Like you need to say it. Because you've been hurt. I know. And the enemy has used that to put a seed of bitterness that has been poisonous. And now because of what your mama did to you when you were six, is now affecting your relationship with your husband at 36. And what your dad did to you and how he dropped you. And now you're just waiting for your husband to do the exact same thing that your, that your daddy did. If we don't reveal it, God can't heal it. And sometimes we just got to get honest. Say, I've been hurt. I can't walk around with this wound anymore. Here's the lie. Ready? Here's the lie. Time will heal. Bull. Listen to me closely. Time does not heal. Only Jesus does. Time can help rebuild, but time can't heal. And if you walk out of this place today and you go, I ain't got no wounds. Here's what, listen to me very closely. This is what's going to happen. Over time, that wound's just going to grow and it's going to get infected. And then when it gets infected, it eventually, if it goes untreated, can kill you. You're in a safe place today. God, you're in a safe place today. Let me tell you what Jesus says. He heals, watch this the brokenhearted and him binds up their wounds. I read 1 Peter chapter 5 this week in our one year Bible reading plan that I'm reading with guys. <laughs> I read it and I was like, oh my word, God, you are speaking. And this is what 1 Peter 5 says. I don't even have it. It's not in your notes. This is extra. His, by his wounds, we are healed. And I thought, his wounds healed my wounds. Wow. And let me show you how God heals your wounds. Are you ready? Oh, God, this is so awesome. You're ready. This is how God heals your wounds. God doesn't just come down and be like, whoop, they're done. And you're like, thank you. Like, it doesn't work that way. This is how he does it. Ready? Confess your sins 
to each other and pray for each other so that you will be okay nothing <laughs> think how crazy this is wait wait hold on you're telling me that i got hurt by a person and now for me to get healed i've got to go tell a person yep isn't that incredible of how god does it that the same thing that hurts you god now uses in reverse to heal you I'm not saying go back to that same person. You'd be a fool, go back to the same person. I'm talking about going to somebody else who loves God and loves you and you say, listen, I've got this wound. This, this happened to me. Or maybe I've got this wound that I created. It's a self-inflicted wound. I broke trust and I'm walking with shame. I'm walking with guilt. I'm walking with this. And I'm here to tell you that God heals broken hearts. He heals broken hearts and he heals wounds. And you can live with a scar you can't live with a wound. And so no matter what you've walked in here today, however you've been wounded, I just want you to know today that's not God's desire for you. His so desires for you to be healed. And so I want you to bow your heads in this place as we end today. Oh, because I feel like he's here and he wants to heal. It's not going to all happen today. I wish it would. I wish one prayer could just fix it all, but I'd be lying to you. The truth is, is that healing is going to take a process. But I believe that process can start today. If you're here in this room and you know you've got some wounds that have not been healed, you don't have to be ashamed of it. This is your moment. We're going to confess it so God can address it. If that's you in this place, I got some wounds. I want you to shoot your hand up. I got some. Come on. Oh, man. Hands going up all over. Jesus. Jesus. Now I want you to put your other hand up. We're going to put both hands. And let's just receive what God has for us today. Father, we just come to you right now. And God, we bring you our wounds. God, we bring you our hurts. God, the people we've trusted, they've dropped us. God, for some in this room, they didn't ask for it. They were on the receiving end of it. Others in this room, it was something that they did. But God, I thank you that you're the same God and that you heal all wounds. Whether it was done by someone else or whether it was self-inflicted, God, you heal the brokenhearted and you heal the hurts and the pains. And so I pray, God, healing in this house right now. God, those with their hands raised, I pray, Lord, right now, what the enemy has meant to paralyze, what the enemy has meant to limp, I pray right now, God, that you would use as a testament to your goodness. I pray, God, that by your grace and your mercy, we thank you. God, that if we were the ones who inflicted the wounds, we thank you that your grace is new and your mercy is new. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. And yet, God, you come in and you bring forgiveness and strength. And God, we thank you today. We surrender this to you. We confess today. God, we need you. We don't want to walk out with wounds, God. We want the beginning process of these things to become scars. And so, God, I pray, Lord, we, we give these to you. We invite you to come. Bring your healing in this place. I want you to put your heads, heads down and your hands down just for a moment. If you're in this place and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, man, that's how this actually gets worked out. 
You can't do any of this apart from Jesus. And if you're here in this place and you know maybe either you're far from God, man, you just, you just never really had a genuine relationship with God. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm not talking about taking communion or being baptized. I'm talking about a genuine relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that a man must be born again and he comes in, he takes our old nature and he gives us a new. If, that, if you've never prayed that prayer to ask God to come and be the Lord and Savior of your life, if that's you, on the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand up and say, Pastor Joshua, you pray for me. One, two, three, if that's you. Come on, hands going up all over the place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, come on. Best decision you'll make in your life. Pray for me, pray for me. Thank you. You can put your hands down right there. Now I want us to all pray this together. Come on, say, Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, living the life I couldn't live, dying the death I deserve to die. You took my shame, my guilt, my past, and my pain. You died for it to give me a relationship with your Father, a place in heaven, and a purpose on earth. Today, I surrender my life to you. Be the Lord and Savior. I turn from my own ways, and I follow yours from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.